This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. And we are back again with another preview podcast. It is World Cup qualifiers time. As you probably know, we've got Hungary away Thursday the 2nd of September, Andorra at home Sunday the 5th and then Poland in Warsaw on Wednesday the 8th. All of them going to be shown on ITV in England here, which is where we'll be watching all the games from. As sadly, from a supporter's point of view, once again, we are grounded and not being given access to watching the team live in the stadium on foreign shores. Now, this isn't just against English fans following a FIFA come UEFA statement. Uh, This applies across the board for all away fans. It's a shame, though, as many of us will have been looking forward to both of these, paid for them too. It does feel a little strange when it appears we are able to travel to both, because of, as at the time of recording, both are amber on the UK's destination list. Sure, both of them require you to look into seeing whether you fit their requirements, as it were, but both are accessible, and equally frustrating was the fact that some spectator sports have been allowing fans in to that sport or event. But neither of these games have been put on the acceptable list. It remains to be seen what way Andorra will be on the 9th of October and San Marino on the 15th of November. What way will they go? From a personal point of view, I don't think I'll be holding my breath. I hope you enjoyed the recent episodes. We had the one where I chatted with Richard Weeks from the England Supporters Club, who told us what it was like arranging tickets for fans during the Euros in the summer. And then we had the episode where I spoke with Dave Bowler. He's author of the biography of Sir Alf Ramsey. Both are still available to listen to at threelinespodcast.com or your chosen podcast provider. Now, coming up on this episode, I'll be speaking with some correspondents from our World Cup opponents. But first, let's just remind ourselves what happened in the first three match days of the World Cup qualifiers, which took place in March this year in Group I. I think you'd be excused for perhaps forgetting what happened, what with everything that happened in the summer, and the fact that, again, we had to watch all three games on the TV. That began with a 5-0 win over San Marino. James Ward-Prowse scoring his first England goal. Here's Chilwell, here's James Ward-Prowse. And they have their first. A first they will hope of many. And James Ward-Prowse has a first goal in an England jersey as well. Dominic Calvert-Lewin grabbed a brace. Raheem Sterling got on the score sheet as did Ollie Watkins, who scored on his debut after coming on as a substitute. Lingard, this is Foden, hits out Watkins. Brilliant. What a way to cap your debut. For Ollie Watkins, that will mean the world. We then travelled to Tirana, Albania, where Harry Kane and Mason Mount scored in each half to register a 2-0 win. Sure, decent delivery. Kane! about that well he has missed that feeling England have missed that ruthlessness 500 days since his last England goal Harry Kane is an England scorer again Sterling on to Mount Mount to finish it that will do nicely England more clinical tonight chances have been few and far between but when they have presented themselves they have taken them and they have a two goal lead in Tirana Then Poland came to Wembley, and again, it was Harry Kane from the spot. And a penalty has been given. Raheem Sterling, who's a a big winner of penalties in the Premier League. It's a short approach from Kane, and he drives it in. He got the elevation, and that's what did the goalkeeper. Sterling fouled, Kane scores, England won, Poland nil. Poland equalised before Harry Maguire got the winner 
with five minutes left. Kane and Maguire poised, the two likely lads. Oh, it's in from Harry Maguire. He was a likely lad. It left us top of Group I with nine points, Hungary second with seven, Albania third, six points, Poland in fourth on four points, and Andorra and San Marino fifth and sixth with no points each, obviously yet to play each other. Although that does change on the 2nd of September when Andorra host San Marino. Personally, I think this window for England will define whether we top the group or have to go through a playoff. Both Hungary and Poland in their own stadiums with no England fans clearly will be tough. Those playoffs appear to be a convoluted set of games pencilled in for March next year. So not something we really want to experience. Thursday the 26th of August saw Gareth Southgate announce his latest squad for this international window against Hungary, Andorra and Poland. And you know, I always think this squad is it's a strange one to select because players and clubs would have only played, I don't know, three, four games since the season began. But he's selected 25 players, and that's one less than the 26 for the Euros. I don't quite know how this is all going to work out, because generally it was 23 players. But anyway, uh, there's no Danny Ings, no Aaron Ramsdale, who's of course recently transferred to Arsenal, no Ollie Watkins, Tammy Abraham, who has just moved to Roma. He's not been selected. Of course, Marcus Rashford is recovering from shoulder surgery. Uh, Phil Foden has foot injury, which meant he's missed Man City's opening games. And perhaps Mason Greenwood can, I don't know, maybe consider himself a little hard done by. But anyway, 25 players, let's roll through them. Goalkeepers, three of them. Jordan Pickford of Everton, uh, of course, one of England's star performers during the summer. 38 caps he's accumulated. Sam Johnston of West Bromwich Albion, Nick Pope of Burnley. Defenders, Trent Alexander-Arnold is back, of course, after missing the Euros. He got injured in one of those games up at Middlesbrough. Was it against Austria or Romania? One of the two. Uh, Connor Cody of Wolves, Rhys James, Chelsea. Harry Maguire of Manchester United. Tyrone Mings, Aston Villa. Luke Shaw of Manchester United. Of course, England's last goal scorer. That goal in the final. John Stones of Manchester City, 49 caps for Stones. Kieran Trippier of Atletico Madrid. Kyle Walker of Manchester City. In the midfield, Jude Bellingham of Borussia Dortmund. Jordan Henderson of Liverpool. Can he add to that one goal that he scored in Rome against Ukraine? Uh, Mason Mount of Chelsea. He's actually got 21 caps to his name. Calvin Phillips of Leeds, Jesse Lingard of Manchester United has returned there after being on loan at uh, West Ham. Uh, And speaking of West Ham, Declan Rice is in as well. And up front, Gareth has selected Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who started well for Everton. Jack Grealish, of course, now of Manchester City, and very much so after he scored following his £100 million move from Aston Villa. Harry Kane, of course, England captain and from Tottenham. Uh, you may have seen I mentioned on Twitter. It'd be interesting to see just how much he takes part. Uh, as of the squad announcement, he'd only played 18 minutes for Spurs so far. Uh, I doubt he'll play against Andorra in the same way that Gareth pulled him from the San Marino game. But he'll be looking to add to his 38 England goals. Now, this... I don't know, perhaps not a surprise, but more, yes, finally it's happened. Patrick Bamford of Leeds United. I guess could say he narrowly missed out on a place in the uh, in the squad that played up at Middlesbrough before the Euros. He's obviously done very well, fully deserved the call-up. Hopefully he can grasp it with both hands and participate in one or two of the games. Uh, He's actually got two caps for the under-18s, two for the under-19s and two for the under-21s. He did actually play for the Republic of Ireland under-18s once and he gained that through his Irish grandparents. Bukayo Saka of Arsenal, nine caps for him. He's been cheered wherever he went when playing for Arsenal. Uh, Jadon Sancho of Manchester United. 
And Raheem Sterling of Manchester City, 68 caps to his name, means he is the most experienced England player in this squad. There is a total of 623 caps. It's quite amazing how the amount of caps have increased what with the seven games played in the Euros for many players. But on the club side front, the squad is made up from four from Manchester City, four from Manchester United, two from Liverpool, Leeds, Everton and Chelsea, and one from Wolves, Villa, Dortmund, Atletico Madrid, West Ham, West Brom, Burnley, Arsenal and Tottenham. It's a nice spread across clubs there. Although it's surprising or or maybe unusual to see Spurs only represented once. Uh, Of course, in the recent past, they've had a fair few players selected, if you think. Deli Alley, Winks, Dyer, Rose as well. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. So that is the squad that will take on Hungary, San Marino and Poland. And I'm sure, no doubt, there'll be a few players that pull out of that as... uh, as tends to often be the case. Now, before we connect with this episode's guests, I'd just like to bring to your attention uh, a project organised by the guys at Block 109. They are crowdfunding for a large surfer banner to be shown before the Andorra game at Wembley. The aim is to have this passed over fans' heads pre-game And the banner focuses on our brave players who missed their penalties in that European Championship final and then subsequently received horrendous abuse for it. This is unacceptable in any way, shape or form. And this banner is our way of fans showing that we are fully behind them. And I'm pleased to say that I've managed to get the podcast logo on it too, And it goes alongside various other independent England supporter groups. However, these surfer banners don't come cheap. So the guys, they are crowdfunding for it. Uh, And you can help too by contributing any amount you feel you'd like to. Just head to justgiving.com and search England Block 109 uh, or head to at England Block 109 on Twitter Uh, Or you can find it on the Three Lions podcast page on Twitter. All the links, all the details are there. And as I say, it could be as little or as much as you'd like to give. Cost of a pint, maybe. Up to you. Then let's uh, let's start with Hungary as we face them in Budapest Thursday the second of September, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast. We spoke with him a little while back when the draw was made. Thomas Mortimer from HungarianFootball.com. Thomas, you're right. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, yeah, Hungary are England's first opponents in this World Cup qualifiers. Um, obviously, we've had the uh, at the Euros in between those those first round of, of World Cup qualifiers, which um, Hungary actually found themselves in second place at the moment, don't they? Yeah, and I'm a little bit disappointed, as, as part of me is disappointed that they're not quite level with England, actually, not got three wins from three. We obviously beat the team, teams we were expected to beat in Andorra and San Marino. If we hadn't, we'd been in real trouble. And we drew to Poland at home, um, but we were tuning up in that game and 3 2 up before Lewandowski equalised with about five minutes to go. And Hungary were like, by far the better team in that game, so it was kind of disappointing to, to draw. Um, but it's, it's still, we'd have probably taken seven points from nine going into those three games, so we can't complain too much. Yeah, and, and I think probably that momentum, I guess. Um, took you into the Euros, really, where, OK, you, Hungary finished bottom in the... I don't, did it, was it referred to as like the group of death over there? or yeah. um, But, I mean, it certainly held their own after... Um, was it a loss to Portugal and two draws? It, it could have been Hungary that England played rather than Germany. Yeah, there, there, was, a, um, there was a stage for about 20 minutes or so, maybe even longer, 
that Hungary were supposed to play England. Um, it was when Germany were winning. I think France were also beating. Uh, well, Hungary were beating Germany, sorry, and France were beating Portugal. And yeah, it was all being made to look like Hungary were about to play England. A lot of my friends were texting me and stuff like my English <laughs> mates, and yeah, it, it was kind of chaos. Um, but yeah, we eventually did go out. But like you say, it's, it's true. We did take the momentum from those three games, where especially the Poland game, where we were really, really good, and took that into into the summer, where we were going into that tournament with a lot of confidence, despite the teams that we were playing against. Obviously, most people outside of Hungary expected Hungary to be completely the whipping board and get mm. zero points from that group. But we obviously caused France a lot of problems when one up against them, when up against Germany twice, 1-0 and 2-1, before they equalised and then were holding onto the ball in the corner what at home, drawing 2-2. Like, I mean, obviously it's logical to do that, but if but the fact that Hungary actually got Germany into a position where they had to waste time when they were drawing was just, just amazing, to be honest. So yeah, Hungary right now have got all the confidence in the world. Like you say, despite going out in the group with two points, we couldn't have really asked for much more, to be honest. No, the scenes from that we saw on the uh, on the TV back here of the, the it's the new Pushkas Arena, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it looked rocking, really. I mean, did you get a chance to go in there? Unfortunately, not because I'm based in the UK, so I, I couldn't get over there. I've, no. I've bought my flights and everything, but it's just just couldn't get there. It was yeah. really annoying. But yeah, I think it, it'll be the same for this England game. I think this will game will be treated exactly the same way by the fans. It'll feel like another Euros game, to be honest. Like, I think probably said on the last time I was on here, like, Hungary don't play England very often, especially in competitive games. So, and obviously, English football is is loved and hated probably in equal measure in, in, in uh, Hungary. Like, there's that rivalry that... Um, that every team seems to have with England. Like everyone kind of wants to beat England, I guess because of the, the home of football and the creators of the game and stuff. And that def- feeling is definitely going to be there. So the atmosphere that you saw in the Euros will definitely, definitely be almost exactly the same for this game. It's going to feel, like I say, almost like another Euros game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially as the fact that no away supporters are allowed into the into the stadium. I mean, it's... Uh, as I've said, I mean, this this is where England will find out whether they're going to win this group or or go through the uh, the playoffs. I think these these two games, Hungary and Poland for England, um, will show that. And without away fans and and the support that Hungary have got in that in that stadium, I think it's going to be a a, a very hard game. Yeah, you, you mentioned like games with Hungary don't come around. Too often, the last time we played together was say 2010 friendly. There's been 22 games over the years. England have won 15. There's been two draws and, and five losses. And I think, as we as we mentioned previously, there is there's a couple of spectacular results. I think is is probably the the best way of saying it. I mean, it goes back to the 50s um, when Hungary beat England by um, not well, was it seven one and and six. Three, I think, uh, and yeah. they were known as the. Is it the Mighty Mogyars? What would yeah, you right. know about that? Go on, tell us a bit about that. It's a little history lesson. Okay, so starting right back from when Hungarian football came to be in the early 1900s, it was actually um, obviously like most uh, football around the world. It was kind of brought to them by by the English, by the British. Um, and when English teams, I can remember Man United, I can't remember it. I remember reading about Man United going over there um, to play against Ferenc Svaros, who are Hungary's biggest team now, um, and and battering them about 8-0 in about 1908. And um, the scenes there were absolutely chaotic, like almost in, a kind of, in some kind of similar way to what Ferenc Svaros game will be now, like really vociferous, really crazy. And, um, there's like quotes from the Man United manager at the time saying we're lucky to get out of there alive and, and like apparently they were chased down the ch- uh, down the uh, uh, the tunnel and stuff and it was crazy but Hungary didn't really get like it was basic basic football when these English sides were going over and, and, and 
Hungary were playing against foreign teams. But in the kind of the 20s and 30s, that kind of developed again by another Englishman, a guy called Jimmy Hogan, who was castigated by um, by English football um, because of his, he was a bit of an outspoken character um, and he had a kind of desires of how he wanted to play the game. I think by my understanding at the time, English football was a lot to do with like dribbling with the ball, whereas he had um, desires to play a passing football. Um, and he kind of taught that to, in, in one of the places where he found a home after that kind of journeying around Europe was first Austria, and he helped create their amazing team that they called the Wunder team, which I think is in the, in the 20s, 30s. And then he moved on to Hungary um, to go to Enhekar Budapest, to a, who are still in the top flight now, um, our second most illustrious club behind Fenerbahce. as well. Um, and the club that, uh, and the football that he created basically spawned a rejuvenation, well, kind of a, a birth, I guess, of, of quality Hungarian football. And they just kept developing that and developing that style of football until it culminated with the mighty Magyars of the 50s. And th- the reason why Hungary battered England twice was because England was still playing a very basic form of football in the 50s, whereas England, uh, Hungary, through an Englishman, had basically created a new style, a new philosophy, which, I get, like I say, culminated in, in England being battered, but also later led on to the team of um, Johan Cruyff and Ajax and Holland and total football, essentially. That football was very much styled on the mighty Mogyard and then Cruyff obviously kind of uh, well, was the the far, grandfather, I think they call him, of Barcelona and, and Pep Guardiola the side of football. So it can almost be traced back from Jimmy Hogan, what he did, an Englishman, to to to, to Hungary's team in the fifties, and then and then from there. Um, and the, the style of football was like, like I say, um, completely different to what anyone had really seen before. It was passive football, but it was uh, interchanges. Like the players weren't playing in fixed positions. Even now, it kind of does seem a little bit revolutionary in aspects. They, they play the two-three-five, which sounds like crazy because why would you play two at the back? But <laughs> that was still that was still kind of like a, a little bit defensive in in what they used to play. And we used to have Hungary had Nando Hedeguti, which was he was the he was basically a false nine. He, he so in the five he was in the middle, the centre forward, but he would drop deep, and England just didn't know how to and not how to cope with him and yeah so that's kind of a brief history lesson and a lot of English players from the time I remember Jimmy Armfield about five or so years ago when speaking about um, the the Hungary team because he I think he was either on the bench or he played was just saying it was just it just they were like a from another planet and Billy Wright I think played that day Stanley Matthews and um, it was obviously a very good England team. It's just that they, the way that they were playing the football at the time was just um, just not, not comparable to the way Hungary were playing. And that's why why they were so good. No, nice one. Um, it was 6-3 and 7-1, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't envisage a, uh, a score like that um, coming up <laughs> in the World Cup qualifiers. But um, I mean, what, what, does your, what do you feel? It's hard to say. I think if you'd have asked me about three days after that Germany game in the Euros, I'd have yeah. been saying, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win. But <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at a draw, to be honest. I, th- I feel like England are going to have a little bit of a hangover because they've just played, obviously, an amazing tournament and ended up losing in the final. How much are they really going to be up for playing a game, a World Cup qualifier after that, especially if the Premier League has started and yeah. stuff. I just feel like the motivation from England is not going to be quite the same, whereas Hungary in front of that crowd, which is going to be very similar to the Euros, these players are like very lesser players. Like Adam Nodge has barely played at Bristol. He's, going to, well, he's probably going to play like one game for Bristol City before this game. So it's a massive game. Maslow Kainheiser is awesome in the Euros. He's been playing in, now in the Croatian League and these players who were playing on a massive stage have just gone back to their clubs where it's not really exciting. Whereas at least with England, they've got the Premier League and yeah. all, loads of crowds and stuff. And like going away on international duty is not always 
um, thought a lot of people just go, oh, it's an international break. And I imagine probably some of the England players might think the same as well. And that's what I'm hoping anyway, from a Hungarian <laughs> perspective, that um, the motivation from England is going to be a little bit lessened and, and very much heightened from a Hungarian perspective. And I think that's why Hungary stand a chance in this game. But like, on paper, like there's, yeah. no, there's no debate, but um, motivation-wise, I think, yeah, could, could, could be a shock. Yeah, no, valid points. Um, go on, just quickly tell us about HungarianFootball.com and, and various social media side of things we can find, John. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Thomas Mortimer, which is without H and with a Z on Thomas. HungarianFootball.com and also we have a, a podcast on Hungarian Football Podcast, which you can just find on Google. Nice one. Well, um, thanks for your time. And yeah, let's let's catch up when uh, when the return leg comes around at Wembley. Perfect, sounds good. Nice one. Cheers, Tom. Well, okay, so Sunday the 5th of September, England entertain Andorra at Wembley. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Three Lions podcast. He is the most capped Andorran player, 130 caps. 11 goals, central defender, Ildefons Lima Sola. Welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Ildefons. Hi, nice to talk with you. Thank you very much for uh, giving us a bit of your time. <laughs> it's I, I, As I told you first of the interview, I usually talk with people around the world about Andorra because uh, they have to know what is Andorra. And when they talk about Andorra, they have to know our reality. And it's easy to to talk and to believe and to understand everything about us. Well, well let, let's learn a little bit more. As I say, yourself, you're the the most capped Andorran player of 130 caps. Yeah, I started early in 1997. I played my, my first game against Estonia. and You scored today, as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, but it was <laughs> my, my first game and my first goal and we lose. Obviously, because for Andorra, I think it was the second official game that we played because the, the first game of Andorra was in 1996 yeah. against Estonia in Andorra. And one year later, we, we went to, to Estonia and played the second game. It was my first game because I was 17. And until today, I'm still playing. I'm trying to, to enjoy my, my, my job. So, I mean, how did the Andorran national team come about? maybe so late or you know uh, we evolve like uh, everything in the world uh, you can imagine football uh, 25 years ago it was different now you know everything about the opponents everything about the stadiums you know the, the first game was in in a small island of of Estonia called Kuresare we didn't know where it was Kuresare we didn't know Anything about uh, Estonia? We don't don't know the players. Now you know everything. You are going to play against San Marino or England. You know everything of both teams. Uh, everything develops very quickly. It was very different. It was, I think, twenty five years ago. It was a a lovely football because it was uh, something like a spirit uh, different. Uh, you know, you go to places you didn't know. Obviously, internet uh, doesn't exist. It didn't exist uh, 25 years ago. It was difficult to find any information about uh, everything. Now, the players of the national teams, the under national teams, play it against other national teams like England, like Spain. They have experience. Uh, when we started to play, was the I, I told for me was my first game was the second game of the history of our national team. We are I, you don't know when. Uh, a lot of years ago, uh, a man discovered uh, America. Uh, he didn't know that uh, America was there. But we started to play and we didn't know anything. Now you know everything. It's it's everything. It's easier. Do you think it was better back then? I think it was different, but uh, I I have a nice memories of this mm. this travel because uh, you do you discover a lot of things. Now if you go to Estonia, you know everything. But uh, 25 years ago, uh, it was a uh, uh, as I said, but I'm talking about Estonia because it was the first one, but it was a, a country that uh, left the, left uh, Russia uh, six, seven years ago. It was a poor country. You know, uh, 
you have to to go there to believe and to understand the reality. Now it's easy to you you search through YouTube. You say you played in Andorra's second ever game, which was back in June '97. Games came and went, and then 2008. We'll, we'll bring it up to to England speed, as it were. Was the first time that you faced England yourself in yeah September 2008 in a World Cup qualifier, um, yeah. where England won two nil thanks to two Joe Cole goals. Yeah, I, I remember it was the first game of of Fabio Capello, the Italian coach. I remember that was there and he was the coach of one of my teammates in Italy. I talked with, with Fabio a few words uh, before the game. It was very nicely. And it was a nice memory because we played in Barcelona in the Olympic Stadium. England just won 2-0. Two, two and for for us, obviously, it was, was, was a, a good result. I mm. think that uh, the, the team uh, had a lot of, of critics because, uh, obviously, win 2-0 against Andorra is a, is a very short score. But it was the first game of 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 Fabio, and for 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 me it was a, a nice a nice game. I I was lucky to play against Beckham, against Lampard, against Terry Runif. I nice memories and playing against all all those England legends. I'm trying to think. I went to uh, England have played Andorra four times. Obviously, twice at home, yeah. twice away. I went to both of the away games in Barcelona. One of them yeah. was a a really wet game. It was in the rain. I don't think it was this one, but I think this one was was dry in in Barcelona. What what was it like having to play in Barcelona in the the stadium there? Because now, obviously, Andorra play in Andorra. Now we we can play in Andorra because we we have a new stadium. It's not the biggest stadium of the of the world, but a new stadium. And now we can play here. But a, a few years ago, when we have to play against big national teams, we we left Andorra to to go to Barcelona. We played in Barcelona against uh, Netherlands, against England, against uh, Ireland because of the other teams. Uh, and now, fortunately for us, we, we don't have to go outside of, of our country to play this kind of games because I think it's, it's, a, it's a party for, for a country like Andorra. Yeah. Moving on to the, the away game in that World Cup campaign, when you came to Wembley, what was it like coming to Wembley? And was that, the, that was the first time that you'd been there, was it? It was my first time at Wembley. I remember the game that we played in at Wembley because it was the, the last season game. And I go with the family. We stay a, a few days in London. And it was the last game of, of the career as a football player of Tony Lima, that, that is my brother. We play a lot of, of games together in the national team. Now works for Arsenal because yes. he is a scout. Play, I think, 65, 66 games with, with the national team. And I remember it was the the last game we lose five zero and an amazing game for for England because uh, you know uh, played Beckham, Lampard, Ronnie, Gerrard, you know the best uh, English players. The, now they they are called legends. They played that mm. game and was was a difficult game for for us. But uh, as a player, play has. The lucky to play in 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 Wembley was was an amazing was was amazing for me and I believe I have I have the shirt of the game of John Terry I have ah. the tickets I have everything about the game I got the ball of the game ah. a lot of of amazing uh, memories for 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 the future I can say it's one of the the temples of the of the football world you know yeah. Wembley uh, everybody knows who, where is Wembley. What's Wembley and for a football player, I think it's one of the the best stadiums to play because the the history of of that stadium is amazing. Now it's a new stadium, but it's in the same place. It's it's always Wembley. Yeah, yeah. Now you say about getting John Terry's shirt. You must have a uh, quite a big shirt collection. What what other players have you swapped shirts with? More or less, I have about one thousand shirts. I from England. I have one of 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 Rooney when we play in Barcelona. Yeah, I have another one of John Terry. I, I love this one because it's number six, and I play always with number six. Of course, he was the captain. 
and I have another one of of uh, Kraut, Peter Kraut, and these are the three shirts that I have of the national team of of England. But about uh, big players, I have a lot. I have uh, Shevchenko, Cristiano Ronaldo, oh. Fernando Torres. Uh, you know, I play for twenty four years with the national team. I I play against the best players of the, of the of Europe, and mm. I play against Brazil too. I have uh, I don't know Bale. Robbie Keane, uh, very important players of, of all the national teams. And one day I, I will try to open a museum. Oh, <laughs> Andorra wow. Football. The Andorra Football Museum, because I have all the history of, the, of our national team. I have the, the first shirt that uh, was worn by, by Andorra football player in the first game. And until the last game, I have all the shirts. And shirts of the opponents, national teams. Uh, that's why one day I, I would like to, to open a museum. Oh, well, well when that museum opens, I'll, uh, I'll be knocking on the door for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, wait for, I wait for you. Yeah, please do. You keep me, keep me posted. Obviously, Andorra, when, when the draw was made, maybe England fans have gone, oh, Andorra, that, that'll be an easy win um, as, as England fans will will probably admit to. I mean, how does it feel as a player when you're in a position that you are, um, as you say, right at the very beginning of the conversation that you you maybe you lose a few games. Um, how, how does it feel going into games in situations like that? But it's it's a it's a question that is it's easy to understand. You have to know that we are in Andorra, just thirty thousand people with passport. You know, you have to, have to play against uh, countries like England that have millions of people that have uh, one of the most powerful championships around the world. And we have to drive, we have to believe it. We have that physically, tactically and everything. We are, uh, our level is, 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 I don't know how to compare, but you know that they are stars and we are, they are on the moon and we are on the earth. And uh, we, we where, where we cannot uh, arrive with our legs, we arrive with our heart. You know, mm. we feel we we play with the soul. We know that we are Andorra. That obviously uh, we have to lose. But uh, maybe one day something goes well for us, and something and, and we try to win. And in in our history, it happened because I think five years ago we win a game against Hungary. That uh, at the beginning of the match, obviously, all the fans from Hungary national team they thought that they, it was a, an easy game, an easy win for them, and they lose. Yeah. Uh, three years ago, we play in Istanbul and we lose one zero at the 88 minute. You know, uh, we tried for for this. We know that the difference between us and the opponents is very big. Obviously, we can fight against uh, Gibraltar, against San Marino, Liechtenstein, but the difference because between Andorra and other national teams is too big. But uh, we know that we are Andorra. We know the difference. We play with our soul. We play for our country. And we are proud of everything that we do because the difference between us and another national team, like your national team, is not 5-0 or 2-0 or 4-0. It's 100-0. You know, uh, sometimes they have to try to to play hard and and to work to win us. And we are proud of that. So do you think tournaments like the the Nations League are helpful for, for teams such as Andorra and you mentioned San Marino and, and the likes of Gibraltar and Liechtenstein? Do you think it's it's been beneficial by UEFA? Yeah, because uh, we need to play. Obviously, if we play with the small teams, we have chances to, to win, to draw, to take points, obviously. To grow as a country, we need important games like the game that will be in, in played in Wembley because, uh, you know, England, a lot of people will listen for first time in their lives that there is a country called Andorra. Mm. And it's good for us uh, as a player to grow. You know, if you play in Wembley, you can play everywhere. And I think that is not a problem for a national team like England play against an opponent that is not uh, heavy and hard to win like, I don't know, Spain or other teams. Obviously, for the fans, they prefer to watch, I don't know, a game against Brazil, England, Brazil and Webley, obviously. But I think that uh, one time a year, a, a game against a national team like us is good for everyone. Uh, they, they, they have to enjoy because 
because obviously Andorra uh, it's a small country and uh, for us it's it's important to to grow as a country and as a, a national team you know uh, to to know that you are big uh, there are there are another small fishes in the in the sea you know yeah. a shark uh, have to eat other small fishes and obviously national league is good for us because uh, a few years ago when when we didn't play qualifiers it was difficult for for us to to find another national teams to play friendly games now they make a competition that big teams play between them and we play with national teams where we can win games and uh, we need to these kind of games obviously as i told you first uh, when you play against england i prefer to play against england than against San Marino because uh, when you play against San Marino you have to win yes or yes when you play against England uh, you try to do your best and everything that what happens it's normal yeah you know uh, for uh, me it's easy to play against England that to play against San Marino well you, you mentioned San Marino I have nothing <laughs> I, I have nothing to lose if, if I lose against England yeah I if I lose against San Marino oh, it's a problem <laughs> you know yeah, well, I mean, San Marino um, is is Andorra's next game, I believe, um, yeah. in the the World Cup qualifiers. Obviously, in in the group, there's ourselves, Poland, Hungary, Albania, uh, and San Marino. So, is San Marino the the big game for you? And, and where do you see Andorran football at the moment? Do you feel you're getting better ever so slightly? Obviously, the game against San Marino is is our league. You know, we have two games uh, where we have a lot of chances to win, and there are two, the two games that we will play against San Marino. Obviously, they they are thinking the same. They have two games where we can they can win, and are the two games against Andorra. Uh, we know uh, we are two small countries. Uh, similar, our league is similar to the San Marino's league. I think at that moment. We are one step in front of San Marino, mm. but you know, in these kinds of of, of games, everything ha- can happen. That's why for for us, the, the important game will be the game against San Marino. Uh, the game against England, obviously, uh, we will try to to do our best as always. But uh, it's it's a party for for us, you know, for for. Not professional football players go to a stadium like Wembley. Oh, you know, you have to enjoy. You have to enjoy the game. You have to enjoy uh, at the end of the game when you show up the shirts. When I think about the, the game that I played uh, 11 years ago, I have amazing feelings. Uh, you know, I, I talk to, to the young people that play with us when we play in big stadiums. I told always, oh, mates, enjoy. Enjoy because maybe it's one... One just one time in your lives, and uh, the the <laughs> the game against England it's it's too easy. It's everything easy. Yeah. Okay. So the the game coming up um, between England and Andorra. Is there a player that plays for Andorra that the England fans should look out for, or someone that you think is is recommended that you think can maybe go on to bigger and better things? Oh, we have uh, some uh, young players that play as, as, as attackants that are, are, are young and are good players because obviously they are good players in our level. Obviously, when they play against England, against Maguire, it will be easy for Maguire, I think. But they are young players and we have no stars. We have all workers of, of, of football and I think that that is not a person. It's the team that you have to understand and, and I think England English people understand we play with our soul that is mm. the thing that that in this period uh, football players they, they they haven't they play for money they pay, play for uh, to half a million of followers on instagram but we play for our country we are proud of andorra very proud of we fight the difference is too big but we try to work hard to to fight and to to let the people and show to the people that oh is Andorra? They fight. They 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 are they are. Uh, I don't know the 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 word in English, but uh, they proud. Yeah, yeah. We are we we are proud. We are proud of 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 what we are, and this is the important thing. Oh, we we work as a team. If if my mate uh, didn't arrive to the ball, I try to arrive. 
and we work all together. And I think this is the spirit of Andorra. If we lose this, then we are not Andorra. And for, for small teams, we have to work together. And obviously, in that kind of, of games against a big opponent. Yeah, yeah that's, it's great to, to under, try and understand that, that side of things. Um, just looking forward a little bit to October when the return leg will be. Obviously, we don't know whether England supporters will be allowed to go to Andorra um, at the moment, but should they be allowed to go? What can England fans expect to see at the the new Andorran ground and, and what, what is there to, to see and do in Andorra? Well, the, the, it's a small stadium, just 3,000 people. With this artificial artificial grass, uh, I don't love artificial grass, but uh, for a country like Andorra, that uh, we have just a few stadiums, there are a lot of teams that have to play in the same stadiums. It's it's the we have to play in the, this kind of of grass. But uh, people who comes the English people who have to come to Andorra, they have to enjoy. They have to know a a country that is in the mountains that it have a lot of nature that you can come here in the winter and have an amazing uh, places to ski. And in summer, it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic country with, with mountains, with lakes, with, with shopping. We have tax-free and it's easy to, to buy something. And I, I hope that a lot of, of English uh, supporters can come to, to, will, will come to Andorra and, and enjoy our country. Obviously, they will see that, that it will be would be a party for, for our country to to host a, a country like England. And we I think that uh, all the people have to enjoy the game and enjoy the football. Yeah. Well, that, let's let's keep our fingers crossed and, and hope that uh, that we'll be able to, to make it across to you. Um, and, and what about yourself now? What what do you do? Um, do you, are you still playing at any level or, or what do you yeah. do? I'm playing with uh, with Inter Escaldes, that is the actual champion of of Andorran league. We play champions uh, qualifiers against we we win a game against the the champion of of Faroe Island, and then uh, we lose against the champion of Kosovo, against Pristina, right. and uh, we were out of of champions. Uh, then we play conference league, uh, and we were we lose against the champions of, of Albania. We won in Albania, but we lose in Andorra, and we are out. And now we are training to to start the season that will start at, at the end of, of September. You know, we are in the preseason. Uh, we didn't play a game, and we will play against San Marino. And three days later, we will play against England, and will will be difficult for for us. Ah, but, I didn't uh, realize that that some that the, the league hadn't started there. So, so your players will be going in really fresh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, we don't know. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not good. But <laughs> we are in the in the period of preseason, and uh, we will play our first game of the season. Will be the game against San Marino, and the second will be the game against England. You can imagine it will not be an easy start of the season. No, wow, well, <laughs> well, I wish you all, all the very best um, to yourself and to. Uh, to Andorra and um, yeah th- thank you very much for your time Ildi um, for, for telling us about Andorra um, and yeah I, I wish you all the luck thank you so much I'm happy to to talk with you and explain our feelings and and I hope that the, the people can understand who we are and, and why we love to play football Right, let's welcome back to the Three Lions podcast with a, uh, a look on Poland. They are our third opponents in this World Cup window. It's welcome back to Christopher Lash from Right Bank Warsaw website. Christopher, you're right. Yeah, good. Everything's fine. Awaiting autumn. Yeah, coming, <laughs> coming, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Poland. First of all, Euro 2020. It was all all a bit of a disaster, I think, really, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, the biggest, mis- the big problem was the first game with Slovakia. Really, I think that uh, Krihoviak got sent off, and Poland probably, probably were going to go on and win it. But then they, they, you know, they lost that, and then after that, it was all to 
they had it all to do. Pretty decent performance against Spain in general, really, and actually played yeah. pretty well. I mean, obviously, backs the wall, but they did decently. Good goal by Lewandowski. Uh, and then the last game, it was, you know, they had everything to do and they threw it, you know, a lot of, you know, they, they scored two goals against Sweden, which isn't easy, but they let in, you know, so it was kind of a weird, it was a weird one. It was, it was, it, I mean, you know, Paolo Sosa only took over briefly before the finals and I don't think he, ever, anyone knew what it was going to be like and he was experimenting a little bit and it was all, it was all over the place. But at the same time, I think that people know that um, the squad, obviously Lewandowski is a brilliant player, but the squad's sort of mixed. So it's a weird reaction. Mixed. Uh, some people were saying it was a disaster. Other people were sort of expecting it. So it, it was. It was sort of a. And also, I think people were surprised at how um, actually exciting at times Poland were to watch. So it was kind of a bit of a. It, it, I mean, obviously not a good. Uh, you know, they didn't get out of the group, which is a major uh, failure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sort of. Up and down, really. Mm. So they're prepared to give Sosa, cut him some slack then? Yeah, I think so. A lot of our discussions about potentially, uh, because now they've just, uh, the, the the Polish FA chairman uh, is not, Boniak is gone and now they've just elected someone else. He was in charge for two terms, Boniak, the famous star from the 80s and he, the 70s and 80s. And he, um, sometimes what happens is that when there's a new FA chairman, they want to bring their own man in uh, and, uh there are there is discussions about potentially bringing in the guy Russian manager Chechesov, but um, currently it looks all right. I think that you know if I suppose if these matches ahead are complete disasters, uh, then maybe he might be removed. But you know it's not a particularly difficult. I mean the England games you're not easy, but the other games not that difficult. So. I think that he'll probably be around until the. I think the next games. I don't know where the next games are. Actually, in November after this, or are they in in the spring. Well, there'll be there'll be the September games, this October, and then November. So many games. Yeah. What I think they might do is, if well, I mean, you'd expect hope. Well, I hope that Poland will come at least second in the group, um, and then I suppose the decision would be uh, really, uh, unless you know, Hungary is obviously potentially as well. Then the decision will be will be whether they you know, they they remove him and bring someone in for, you know, immediately. And then at least he's got a bit more time before the uh, autumn uh, autumn World Cup or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be happening in 2022. So it's, it's all a bit, you know, it's a bit of a mess, but I'm, I'm relatively, I mean, I, I was, I quite like the way that the, the attacking way they played. So, so I, I'm not, I, I came out of the, the tournament not being as disappointed as I thought I would be. Sometimes you watch a tournament, you know, and your team's awful and it just, uh, it's, you know, damp squib and there's not nothing, there's no movement and you just, just depress you. I know, like England in 2000 or something like that, you know. Cool, or, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah that, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like that. So, um, I mean, it wasn't great, but there were sort of some promising signs. Um, so I personally would stick with Salsa for a while and just see, you know, see what happens. Yeah. Well, let's just cast our minds back to March time when it was the first round of the World Cup qualifiers, um, because at the moment, Poland find themselves in fourth place in the group. Okay, it's only after for three games. You had the, the initial draw with Hungary, um, a win against Andorra, which, to be fair, is a given. Um, and then the, the England game at Wembley, which uh, went 2-1 in England's favour. I mean, Lewandowski scored in both the Hungary and the Andorra game, and and then there was the, I don't know if you remember, there was all the the sort of serial at the time that would Lewandowski play. There was a coronavirus issue. There yeah. was Bayern Munich saying that he couldn't travel because of the Poland thing. And then I think he was uh, taken out because of a knee injury. But he appears he's now um, he's now up and running. He's scored in, in plenty of um, Bayern's games um, up to when we've spoken now. I think you're going to be a, a different different kettle of fish um, to that game at Wembley back in March. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Lewandowski in general hasn't had that great a record against really as as, as in, against the top class or opponents. Um, he did score against Spain, which was important, and against Sweden, he was good in the in the Euros. And he's just a, he's just an excellent player. So I think that you know also Poland at home are, are very strong in general. So I mean, it's difficult to really predict how it's going to go. And England are, are tough opponents. But you know, it's I mean, it, it's it's conceivable that Poland could could sneak a victory. I mean, I know England never lose in the qualifiers anymore, but I think that probably this is England. Well, 
probably should be England's most difficult match of the of of, of the group. And uh, let's see. I mean, I mean, I, I'd be disappointed if Poland didn't get a, you know from a Polish perspective get a draw at least in that game. I think that they prop should be able to get a draw, um, and I think they will really go for it. And I think that England will you know the the the, the stadium well again. Currently, you know, the I think it's fifty percent you're allowed in plus fifty ah, percent, right. but plus plus fifty percent vaccinated. So it, it's a bit weird. So means they'll only allow fifty percent um, unvaccinated. Which it's all a bit confusing. But the point is that uh, they can't. They also can't legally check if you're vaccinated because of Polish law. So that means lots of people are just saying they're vaccinated and uh, going to stadiums. It's silly. They should either do hundred percent or fifty percent and not have this. So yeah, I'd imagine the stadium. Again, things might change in the next couple of weeks because Poland hasn't had the fourth wave that England had in June or July or whenever when it was when it got a bit worse in England. So that's that's coming definitely because it's only 50, the level here is fifty percent of all people vaccinated. So it's not like England seven, you know, like in seventy percent. So what, what I'm saying is, <laughs> I hope that you know, hopefully there the, the will be a, a good crowd. Um, in terms of from a Polish perspective, and I think that you know will put pressure on England. Uh, you know, quite I mean, it's not like you know those famous old like you know games when you played at Galatasaray or something like that, but but 50,000 people all you know cheering on you know Lewandowski, it, it's it's a pretty intense experience. And I think that that will have a bit of an impact on the England players, and I think that Poland hopefully can get a draw, maybe squeak a win. They also might lose, but you know, um. I'm, I'm kind of uh, you're covering all bases. Yeah, they'll go for it, and I think it'll be a, it'll be a decent game. Yeah, I mean, with the um, like the the amount of supporters in there, it might be a uh, a similar scenario to the last time where England played over in Warsaw, where it was uh, it was postponed by 24 hours, wasn't it? With the uh, yeah. where they didn't close the roof, and uh, yeah, there was the crowd. The following day was was a little bit less, wasn't it? I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I mean, that was a bit of a, a farce that, you know, people complained about the FA not closing the roof and all that. It was a you know, mess, but but um, but again, pretty, pretty, very, very even game that Poland, Poland won, England won. And, you know, Poland could even have potentially nicked that as well. So I, I don't, you know, I, I mean, England have a lot of good players. They could win, but I think that, you know, Poland really go for it. I think uh, just looking at the, actually the fixtures, I think that, you know, if the, the, the only potential I think that could see, you know, sorts of side, obviously, is if, they don't, uh, Poland don't get out of the group, but obviously, but but not just that, you know, they, they've got Albania at home first game uh, of these three. And if Poland like draw and play badly, then, you know, they could, the knives could be out for him. But um, yeah, I think it should be a good game. I think that, you know, you know, again, Lewandowski is, is very, very, scored a lot of goals, home goals, not that many away goals. I think that he really will be going for it. And I think that, you know, England haven't got that much to worry about because it's not that, I mean, no group is that difficult for England, but I think that, uh, uh, it'll be a good game. Nice one, Christopher. Thank you very much. Um, and you're on Right Bank Warsaw, isn't it? It's the website. Yeah, I'm not writing that much on it, but I'm 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 active on Twitter a lot. So at, at Right Bank Warsaw on Twitter, so that's where you mostly can find me. Nice one. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Always, no worries. That's it. Another episode in the can. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Thomas Mortimer for the view on Hungary. Ildefon Sola for telling us all about Andorra. 130 caps. Amazing. Uh, He's in the Guinness World Records as well, don't you know? Uh, And just as good, Christopher Lash from Right Bank Warsaw for the Poland aspects. Thank you very much to all those guys. Gutting that we can't go to either Hungary or Warsaw physically in the grounds Uh, but if by chance you are taking the trip out to either of those stay safe enjoy it have a beer for me and i'll be back very soon with not only the review episode on these three games but also the first in a two-part chat where i spoke with an england fan who tells me all about his england travels going back to 1988 i hope you can join me for that one and in the meantime don't forget You can follow the podcast on social media, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. And also, if you get that moment, a review on the likes of iTunes. Always welcome. So until the next time, let's hope for a successful international window. Cheers. Cheers.